Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is presented by Have a Nice Death. Well, hello, Super Ninfrendos. What is happening? It is NVC episode 653. I am your host, Seth Macy. Joining me today from the studio in San Francisco, industry legend Kat Bailey. Hello, Super Ninfrendos. Goemon superfan, Pear Schneider. I am back. And the LA beach bum himself. Joining us for NVC for the first time since 
I don't. E- I wasn't even the host. Colin Stevens of the social team. Hey, gamers. Wow. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. We're going to finally talk about something that everyone is always asking us week after week after week. Hey, the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U eShops are closing. What should I get? Well, Nintendos, we're going to tell you right now. But first, first thing I want to do is uh, last week I was lamenting the fact I couldn't find my 3DS. Well, guess what I found? Oh, oh, not just any 3DS. A very valuable and expensive 3DS now. Um, I haven't turned it on, so we're going to see if it turns on uh, right here. Let the record show uh, that Seth has the golden mm, This Zelda. is the golden uh, Zelda edition, Hyrule edition. I'm going to turn it on. Does the battery still work? Oh, womp, womp, womp. Oh. You want to know what game, what the last game was that I played on my 3DS? Hmm. Was it, it a is. link between worlds? No, actually, uh, mm. it is Children of Mana for Nintendo DS. Oh, that's oh. an interesting oh. choice. Did you lick that's that a, part? It's an, I got it because <laughs> I like the Mana series. Also, I wanted to show everybody my Wii U. Ooh, he still has the Wii U. Yep, there it is. Uh, oh, look at it. Oh, it's a brick. Oh, Seth, what yep. happened? Seth. I went. I plugged it in this morning so I could, uh, you know, peruse the Wii U eShop because it's the only way to do it is on the Wii U. You can't do it through Nintendo's website anymore, and it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. Okay, wow. I, yeah. so before you declare that they, I've had issues with the Wii U not starting immediately and was able to resolve it, and it was like you had to like uh, leave it unplugged and then hold the button for a, a, a few years down when powering <laughs> up. No, definitely definitely look that up. It, it definitely, uh, you can... Oh, you can you can I'm flash not giving it. up. Yeah. I yeah. Um, uh, Sam Claiborne in our in our Nintendo Voice Chat Slack asked, you know, what happened to, to make it brick? And I said, well, the last time I turned it on was uh, March 2nd, 2017. It has a memory so, leak issue, is what I'm reading. Yeah. So that's why the Wii U oh, is mm. like having a problem with bricking and dying. Oh, I because it's I had such to a get great roll of paper towels. It's a classic of consoles. <laughs> we'll oh, yeah. we'll get we to all that. Love the Wii U. We'll get to that in a bit, but first I want I'm interested to hear what everyone's eShop picks are pair. Would you please uh give us your picks and why he you He has a post-it note. I have a little oh, piece look of at paper. that. No, because I otherwise I'll say something and then I walk out of this room and I'm like, oh, my favorite game of all time. No, uh so I have a couple of uh picks. This is actually not that many that I wrote down. Um and I think I, I mentioned to you guys, I'm uh, I'm writing a monthly column about forgotten games that, you know, should come back or you should care about. And I, my next installment, I already wrote it, should go up hopefully next week, is about the Goemon games, Mystical Ninja, right? And right now, if you boot up your, uh, uh, your eShop on the bygone plat- platforms, you can actually download Mystical Ninja, the Super NES game. If you have a Japanese Wii U or, or 3DS, uh, you can actually download many of the Japanese releases too. Um, when the eShop shuts down, they're gone. And like, this is no joke. If you have the Japanese uh, Super Famicom Mini, Mystical Ninja was actually included. It wasn't included with the US one. Since the eShop and since Nintendo Online launched, it doesn't seem like Konami has fed Nintendo a steady stream of Super NES releases for Nintendo Online. Probably because Konami has released Castlevania collections, all that stuff yep. separately. We did get, you know, a Gen- we got a Genesis game, you know, but but it's already been like a year back. But the point is, Konami was so prolific. On the, on the virtual console, on those two machines, and those games are going to be gone in some cases. They're not on Steam. In the case of the Mystical Ninja series, we're talking about the 10 games that were globally available via virtual console still. 
is down to zero. They're all gone. Out of the entire Goemon series, only one game will be accessible on modern platforms in digital form, and that is Mr. Goemon, the arcade game, which, thank you, Hamster Arcade Archives, is available on Switch. <laughs> it's not a very good game. Don't download it. If download. you've never Aww. played Goemon, they rule. They're some of the they're most so beautiful good. games in the SNES, and also they're really hard. They are. Oh. Anyway, I'll, I'll share that column when it's up. Uh, it'll be fun. Yeah. But no, my, my biggest pick uh, for the eShop is Affordable Space Adventures. Um, which is a game that is kind of time locked onto the Wii U because it's a it's a three player cooperative game. We've talked about it on the show before. It's a wonderfully designed game, and it really is only on the Wii U and is only digital um, over here, where three players combine to control one spaceship, and you know you can do different like they have different controls that they oversee, um, and it's a game that really lives off this sort of you know gamepad connection where you have your own personal screen and then have uh, two other players. Now, could this be done on other consoles? Of course, you could make this whole game online and have proper voice chat to coordinate. But this was one of the best couch co-op games um, to ever come out, I think, and it's certainly one of the. Uh, the best digitally released games on the Wii U, and this is going to go away. And I haven't heard of any plans to release this in any other form, so I would go after that one. And then just super quickly, because I'm sure Seth will go into stuff like Rusty's Real Deal and all of that, but there's a Zelda Picross game that's only on 3DS, and you can only get it for a thousand platinum points. It'll be gone. You'll probably never see it again. And then there are all the Box Boy games, which may come back someday, Ooh. but they're also uh, locked on that machine. But the games you will never see again are the 3D classics. I don't know if you guys played them. So Excite Bike, oh, right. um, what was it? Yes. The Kirby's Adventure Kid, one was really good. Kid Icarus, there was Twin Bee from Konami. Sega did a whole bunch too. Yeah, and then Sega has a separate series, right? Sega's got uh, what, what Gunstar Heroes, Sonic, a um, bunch of games. They were they were the classic 8-bit games redone with the 3D perspective, and it looked really neat. And it's, you know, it's only available on 3DS. And even if the same game code is released in the future, it won't be the same. Because... No these games live off that 3d perspective that they created here um and yeah as a as someone who is interested in game preservation this is awful that this is disappearing there will never be a collection of these games for the 3ds and there probably won't be another 3d handheld console anytime soon so get it now otherwise it's gone yeah the thing that disappoints me is there's a really good article on Ars Technica that was talking, you know, revisiting game preservation. And one mm -hmm. thing that I learned was that the ESA was actually lobbying against a DMCA uh, exception for getting games into libraries because they're like, well, it'll just be an arcade that people can play these games anytime they want. And it, it tells me that video games are seen as a fundamentally commercial interest rather than no. an artistic venture. And that's, to me, is the crux of the whole games as art thing. It's not like, oh, games matter. It's that when you teach, treat games as just a thing that are there to make money and yep. then to be disposed of. If you, if you look at any major game series, um, you know, take a, a Castlevania or a Silent Hill or even a Resident Evil. And if you look at the game series as a whole, so you're not just going after the numbered uh, installments, you'll find that there have been mobile games, in some cases really cool ones, or Game Boy Color games. There were spin-offs from the mainline titles that were released. And in some cases, in the case of the mobile games, some of them are wiped out. So there's nobody who has the backup code. There's some that are preserved, you know, that, that, that some folks keep around on servers or on the uh, web archive, you know, the, the um, uh, 
the Wayback Machine where you can actually access the, the game code and play them by emulator. But a lot of games, even with big names like Castlevania, are completely gone forever. So, you know. And then on the 3D Classics tip, actually, the thing that's kind of sad to me a little bit is that I ended up getting a new 2DS system, mm. which that was a big part of it was that I just didn't care that much about the 3d. Mm-hmm. I, I always found a little gimmicky and I have an astigmatism. So it actually kind of hurts to look at the 3d, yeah. but there were a few exceptions and the 3d classics were really well done, especially the Sega ones. I think there was an afterburner one Is that it? I really enjoyed a uh, Sonic two streets of rage Two. Yeah. Uh, you should definitely go pick those up, especially if you have a new 3ds system because they're worth experiencing at least once as you saw if you watch the excite bike footage on the screen here it's not just that they that they created like a, a pallet parallax effect right they actually they actually kind of mapped it to a 3d space in order to give that game depth and layers it's really neat awesome cat what are your recommendations that people pick up because everyone specifically will will say we want to know what cat thinks we should pick up you should go get some dlc you should go get okay. Fire Emblem Revelations, which is the third part of Fire Emblem Fates. So if you're not familiar with that series, there's Birthright and Conquest, which are functionally separate games, but they're differentiating paths. But then there's a third route, which in some ways you might call the quote-unquote true ending um, that combines the two. And uh, Fire Emblem fans are split on the quality of Revelations, much as they're split on the quality of Fire Emblem Fates. In general, there are some who say it's not just the worst game in the bunch, that it's the worst, one of the worst games in the series because wow. the maps are so bad. But then there are the people who are like, no, I absolutely love it because yeah. it's a giant sandbox where you can get all of the Fire Emblem fates together. Either way, I think that it's kind of an incomplete series if you don't have Revelation and if you don't try it at least once. I think it's going to be quite difficult to be able to play Revelations going forward after this because it's a piece of DLC that you download into the game. And so you have, and you have to pay money for it. And uh, there is a physical version of it, but it's put in a collector's edition, and it is quite difficult to even find a loose copy. I think I was looking for it on eBay the other day, and so I ended up. I was thinking about selling my collector's edition, and then I ultimately kept it because it's it's already worth like complete, like worth a thousand dollars. It's crazy. Damn. Nice. I got yeah. one too. Yeah. No. <laughs> And Fire Emblem Fates. I'm out of here. <laughs> Fates itself gets catches a lot of flack. I, I don't think it's as good as Engage or Three Houses or Awakening, but yeah. it's a it's a perfectly serviceable and enjoyable Fire Emblem game that I think at least cromulent. all Fire Emblem games should perfectly cromulent Fire Emblem games. Well, exactly. At least in this case, there is a an accessible option, accessible if you have the money to spend for it, obviously. Uh in the case of the box boy games the early box boy games the only physical collection was in japan so for for you know western audiences and obviously on a system that did have region locking you're kind of out of luck because those are gone for good also there's pocket card jockey i've mentioned that one before there's the new one that just came out on mobile yeah which is 3d so it's an enhanced version of it. You could certainly get that one. Yeah. But if you want the original, which is a 2D perspective, uh, well, you're gonna, this is your last chance because it's going to go away pretty soon. So I heard that, you know, when Game Freak embarked on making this update, they shopped it around and ultimately Apple was the only one to fund 
the development uh, and and thus debuted it as part of arcades. If you're a subscriber, you can play that one. Um, but I, you know, just like uh, Horizon Chase, I think this is a game that is going to come to the Switch eventually, luckily. And like, did you feel like, I feel like this one has everything in it that the original had. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think, you know, I love the the original game was so cool and it would be nice to uh, to to have it on that system if, you, if you're still actively playing it. But at least there's a light at the end of the tunnel here, right? And the last one I would recommend is Persona Q2 Shadow of the Labyrinth, which is, it's available in a physical form, but it's going to be extremely rare pretty soon because only a very few copies were actually printed. If you're not familiar with Persona Q, the original, it's basically Etrian Odyssey meets Persona. So it's a first person dungeon crawler, but it has a Persona vibes, it has great music. Um, Maze of Life and Persona Q is like one of my favorite Persona songs, actually. And it combines the Persona 3 and Persona 4 characters in a way that I find pretty enjoyable. And then Persona Q2 adds in the Persona 5 characters. And so it's a little bit of a, a, a nice side story if you're a Persona 5 fan. And it's quite beautiful on the uh, the Nintendo 3DS. It came out right at the end of the 3DS's life cycle, maybe 2017 or even 2018. And so it came and went very quickly. Uh, the physical version is going to be probably well north of $100 very soon. Dang. So go and get it on the eShop before it goes away forever. So, Kat, as an avid collector, do you recommend that we all go out and buy more Wii U's and 3DS's before they uh, increase in value? I mean, Seth keeps breaking <laughs> them, so the price is going to go I'm up. The specula- I'm the collectible speculator here. I oh, do yeah? buy games sometimes because I know okay. they will be valuable someday. I'm pretty so, sure yes, the 3DS is already, like, prices have definitely jumped big time, especially since the 3DS eShop uh, and Wii U closure yes. was announced. So, but Seth, you're not being like Nintendo Goldfinger here and destroying your Wii U's on purpose so the value goes up, right? <laughs> no, I actually, uh, that's my plan, is I'm going to have the only Wii U on Earth. And a working Wii U pricey. might become quite rare mm. in a few years. Because it's, it's made... It's a super bummer. It's made from yogurt cup plastic, that's why, <laughs> and it will last. <laughs> Well, nice. uh, uh, the collectability actually uh, colors a lot of my picks. But Colin, I wanted to know what mm. your picks are um, for for must haves. Yeah. So um, similarly to what Kat was talking about, I actually bought a 2DS XL um, a couple years ago, uh, and I, I intentionally did 2D because I just do not enjoy playing games in 3D on the 3DS. And really, there's only you can like turn 3D. it off. I don't understand why. Yes, is... but it was cheaper this way, and it's okay. a big screen. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. And I, I, I wanted to replay through the entire Zelda franchise, and I decided to do the remasters and remakes uh, instead of original versions. So I was doing Ocarina of Time and, and, and Majora's Mask that way. Uh, my main recommendation was going to also be the Fire Emblem Fates uh, trio, um, specifically Revelations, because it's basically the only way you can get it, uh, as Kat was saying, besides that very hard-to-find collector's edition. Um, I also recommend finding uh, or downloading dragon quest 8 specifically uh that's one of my favorite dragon quest games um good one it's also you like that version on the 3ds that's not my favorite version Mm -hmm. but i think uh i actually don't know how hard it is to find the ps2 version is it on like i have the playstation 2 version it's not hard it's not that hard but i think that you kind of have to have a ps like a launch ps3 to be able to play it um or that kind of thing 
Like mm-hmm. I've seen physical copies floating around and they're only they're they're only like thirty, forty dollars. So mm-hmm. they're not that expensive. It's okay, just that's fair. Being able to actually play it on a good TV, that kind of thing. It's more of a pain. Mm-hmm. So this is if you it's on uh, mobile too, but it's tip. not a great version of it. Mm-hmm. Hacker if tip. you have a uh, uh, you can you can do the research, but there are certain CD ROM drives that you can buy for PC that with the proper emulation software will let you play PlayStation Two games um, on a PC emulator. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so you know. But anyway. I do agree though. The PS Two version is better. I think it also just looks better. Um, one of the reasons why it came to mind is uh, I, I love Dragon Quest, and I played. Four, five, and six on the DS, and I actually had the physical versions, but I was uh, not great at keeping track of the cartridges when I was a kid, and I was brokenhearted when I found out that I really only had one of the cartridges left. I had all three boxes, but only one cartridge left, Aww. and so I have a very real experience of not being able to play some Dragon Quest games that I want to play. So that's where that comes from more than anything else. Um, and I just like eight a lot more than seven, <laughs> but. We'll get to that. And then um, as far as Wii U goes, uh, I mean, these are boring answers, but uh, Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD. Um, They're the best ways to play those games. Um, And I, uh, for the last six years, I would have told you, yeah, of course they're coming to Switch. But at this point, who friggin' knows with Nintendo? Um, And They're sitting in a warehouse somewhere with the Switch. (laughs) Like, what the heck is going on? Definitely in a warehouse. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, similarly for the 3DS versions of uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, um, those aren't necessarily the best way to play those games. I know there's especially more debate with Majora's Mask, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, they are good ways to play those games at the very least. And um, I mean, it's Zelda. All four of those games, you can rank them however you want, but they're all great games. So... uh, those are my recommendations. Basically, every Zelda game you can get, <laughs> yeah. and every Dragon Quest game you can get. That's ever. That's like evergreen, evergreen advice for any anything. Yeah, I was gonna say, or I also say, you know, the reason I put Dragon Quest Seven in the uh, the run of show is the reason for a lot of my picks is because the physical versions are like really expensive. Mm-hmm. So games like Metal Gear Solid Three DS or uh, Dragon Quest Seven. Those games go for like 80, 100 bucks now on wow. eBay, whereas you can just get them for $40, I think. So any of those games, if you're interested in more in playing them, and you should be, like three, like Metal Gear Solid 3DS is, is awesome. It's an awesome way to play Metal Gear Solid 3. You know, you get to eat a, something that delicious, and he goes, yeah, or what's he say? <laughs> Great. And I just, I can't get enough of that's that. That's it? Um, but that, That's what did that's it? That's the reason. That's what does it. That is my favorite part of Metal Gear Solid 3 is when he eats something like gross and goes, mm. and then he eats something good and he goes, wow, Do they great. manage to get the Snake Eater song on the cartridge? I don't remember, actually. Such a uh, weird, uh, Metal Gear Solid on 3DS is such a weird kind of um, history, like a trivia fact. Like oh yeah, and it also came out on 3DS. Yeah. I remember when it was being demoed back in the day, and everyone went, "Wow, Metal Gear Solid 3 on 3DS! What a jump!" And now it's like, maybe don't play that version. No, that, of- but that that was when oh, we first saw the 3DS. We yes. were used to Nintendo, you know, handhelds being very 2D focused, and then you're playing a full 3D game. It was it was really impressive. It, it was the PS- really good in 3D. Too. Oh no, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember in all the 
the little frog, the little hidden frogs were replaced with little Yoshis. It was the PSP um, effect all over again because yeah. everybody's like, wow, you could do that on a handheld. And then nobody yeah, actually yeah, wanted that yeah, on a handheld. Nobody, everybody just played yeah. 2D games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do we do we think they specifically chose Metal Gear Solid 3 because of 3D? Like, do we really yes. think that that's like uh, 100% the reason? Went. <laughs> yes. Boom. Yeah, I, I love Metal Gear Solid 3. It's one of my favorites. But it yeah. is just very Rules. funny to me that they just jumped right to there. And it was just like, It's okay. awesome. Go, if it's, if it's uh, go, download that game. Don't, because it's, it's too expensive. I know because I just sold it like uh, three months ago. Um, What'd you get? To, to fund some foolish thing after. But I was also going to say, and I'm kind of surprised, the Pokemon Red and Blue are on um, our Wii U. And yellow and gold and silver and crystal. Virtual yes. console is insane. I mean, like we all complained mm. about the fact that we're being nickeled and dimed and asked to buy, you know, ancient games for five bucks each and all of that. But it is really cool to have this library, this giant shop of classics yeah. um, that is just no longer around. And like you just... And enhanced versions of that. Probably yeah. will never come back. We, we you know... Again, like we might get collections of some of these games to come back, you know, like rumor has it Konami wants to be a real video game company again, right? And so again? some oh, of these games them. may come back, but um, right. will Nintendo ever do a collection of Pokemon Red, Blue and Green or something? Probably not, right? You should go Highly. read our NVC column in which I said they should do exactly that pretty much. Maybe they'll do the Game Boy, game Boy Mini console someday and put them all on there. I was probably. super happy that um, Nintendo released the GBA and Game Boy on the Nintendo Switch, yeah. and now they need to follow through and get Game Pokemon onto the Switch so that we can continue to connect it to Pokemon Home so that someone like me, who these days really kind of prefers Gen 1 through 5, maybe? Like OG Pokemon. Yeah. I can play the versions that I prefer, but then also have some connectivity to modern Pokemon. You but, sure you don't want to yeah. play Burger Time Deluxe instead? Oh, baby. <laughs> Who doesn't hey, want to play that? Actually, a reasonably healthy update. Kirby's Dreamland 2 and Xevious are great yeah, picks. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Having Xevious on the was side pocket was the pool game or something. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. You could play side pocket. I think it, mm -hmm. side pocket's hilarious because whenever you go on like Facebook Marketplace and somebody's selling like a lot of games, that's like one of that. It's like Brunswick Bowling and Side yeah, Pocket. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny all the games is, that you don't care about. I've been playing Pure Pool on the PS4 with okay. a friend of mine across the country. It's not a very good pool game, but I just want to mm. play pool. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Side Pocket, it's the 2D pool game that I've been waiting for on go. the Nintendo Switch Whatever. online. Finally. How long do we think it'll take for them to bring the Game Boy or Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance Pokemon games to the Switch? Ooh. This year. Uh, this year? Okay. I think oh, so too. Yeah. I think so too. Do we It'll think they'll be in, in the order? Fall. We don't have a uh, in order? Yeah. Uh, I could see it. We'll see. I think that's kind of how they did it on the 3DS when they released uh, Red and Blue, and then they released Yellow later, and then I think they released <laughs> Gold and Silver, and then I think they released Crystal later. Isn't that kind of how it went down? Yes. Yeah, well, they originally released Red and Blue, and then Yellow, and then Gen 2. Yeah. No. I you know what they're going to do. They're going to be like, coming to Nintendo Switch Online this week, Pokemon Blue, and that they won't have red or yellow. <laughs> Not red. No, but yeah. but remember they they split the audience, right? So Game Boy games are free. Game Boy Color. Uh, Game Boy Advance games are not, right? And so maybe they'll double up and they'll give, you know, one part of the audience blue and red and the other one the next but one. But more importantly, yeah. uh, compatible Pokemon Stadium where mm, you can uh, import your saved data 
So then from, it connects to the N64 yeah, classic. That would be yeah. cool. I don't know yeah, if they can actually cool. do that. They did remove the disclaimer mm. that it does not connect, which uh, some people mm. were getting uh, were kind of raising their eyebrows mm. about. But if I were to guess, we'll That's probably it. see the Pokemon games in the fall because there's no Pokemon mm. yeah. game well, that we year. know of at yeah. this point. Yeah. There is Side Pocket if you're bored, though. Like if, yeah, yeah, Side Pocket. By the way, I actually, I, I actually enjoyed that game. I played it when it first came out, and I thought it was a, a really well-made Super NES pool game. But that it is also game just was a made game. because uh, they knew that kids were going to get uh, Super NES for Christmas, and they're like, "We need something for Dad." Oh, and I was like, "Hey," because I, he, I imagine he smokes a cigar. He's like, "Ah, yep. hey. cool side pocket here. That's why they call me Fat." Oh, he's a <laughs> side pocket. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to point out also real quick that uh, the only time I ever beat a Pokemon game was on Wii U. It was Pokemon Blue. So hmm. I've never finished it except for on Wii U. Wii U. Wow. Wii U. Yeah, I know. What a weirdo, right? But that's because I really like the Wii U. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that is the topic of today's Seth Rect to Cam. That was that was awkward. Direct to Cam. So I'm going to talk about the Wii U being underrated so with the wii u eShop closing everyone is scrambling to care and i wanted to take this opportunity to say the wii u was good actually this is not a question mark at the end of that statement but an exclamation point or two i will tell the wii u was the nintendo switch before the nintendo switch sure the gamepad looks kind of silly now it also looked silly at the time but it was very charmingly silly um it used Two screens in fun and interesting ways. Wind Waker immediately springs to mind. The one game, well, I guess not the one game, but the one game I really want them to port to Switch. It was also cool to play games on the little screen while someone else used the TV for their own enjoyment. Again, precursor to the Switch here, but it had all the charm of the original Wii in its user interface, but it improved and made even more delightful. It also had Virtual Console, which is sorely lacking from Switch and something we'll likely never, ever see again. People will say lack of third-party support killed it, to which I say that is a trailing indicator, not a predictor of success. If you want to know why the Wii U failed, I will tell you why. We didn't deserve it. It was too good for us. It was everything the Wii was, but better, and in HD, with a gamepad you could use to make FaceTime calls, whatever Nintendo <laughs> called that uh, function, I can't remember. In short, Wii U was good all along, and it was us, we, who were, in fact, the failure long live the wii u except for mine which is now brick <laughs> <laughs> well thank you all for agreeing that the wii u was great i'm glad we have uh, a consensus on that i have Kat, so many uh, mixed feelings you're, you're a, a high uh supporter of the wii u is that correct well known wii u supporter cat bailey yeah <laughs> i i don't like the wii u seth i don't it was a system that uh, it was a very dark time to be a Nintendo fan in that day and age, and just not a lot was coming out on it. And I, uh, okay, I owned a Wii U, and it was by far my least favorite Nintendo system that I've ever owned. The thing was incredibly slow. I hated the Fisher Price ass uh, <laughs> no! Wii U gamepad that was would always lose its signal if I took it like two feet away from That's the thing. The nice. actual Virtual Console was terrible. On the Wii U, no, the wasn't. emulation, it was too dark. It was a huge step down from the original Wii. 
The only thing, <laughs> when I got rid of my Wii U, the only thing that I was sad about losing my Wii U for was the Wii Virtual Console that I was able to get over through an emulated oh. shell or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was so grateful when so many of the Wii U's best games ended up going over to the um, Nintendo Switch because I was like, thank yes. God, please rescue destroyed these destroyed the collector value of the Wii U. Nobody what wants an, a Wii U now. What an ambush. I love it. <laughs> and I just want to say the only thing I miss from Nintendo, uh, the Wii U, A, I had a great time with Animal Crossing Sweet Days, which we called Puke and Run, uh, that I would be playing with my friends. <laughs> with B, head mode. I really loved the NES Remix games, which were fantastic. Oh my God, see? Right there. Mm -hmm. And the GBA, which was done by M2, actually, I believe, which was far better than, I think, the SNES. But here's, here, here's the piece. I like the Switch's uh, virtual offerings a lot better than the Wii U, because the Wii U virtual console is actually pretty limited. There's a lot more options on the Switch. Yes, the current actual price point is, the, the price model is not optimal, I will agree with that, but like from a selection standpoint, I think it's mostly better than for do you, are you talking about a first first party because third party it's not right the mm -hmm. older the older virtual console had a lot on the more Wii selection U. yeah well are yeah. we combining the Wii into well, yeah, this because the Wii U lets you it access is, all it's that a Wii, stuff and then they you put the letter have, U could you go into the, the Wii shell without transferring your Wii over because that's what I because I you did. could you could. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So we're counting wow. the original Wii into this as well. That's right. Yes. So I don't have a lot of love for the original Wii era because <laughs> oh my God. the original Wii era really ran out of gas at a certain point. Mm. And a cer certainly by 2010, 2011, it was a bummer to be playing on CR television still at yep. that time. And I was like, I am so ready to be done with the freaking Wii uh, controller. The, the motion controller is such a gimmick. Oh, my God. But then it got dragged along to the Wii U. <laughs> it's a misbegotten console. It is. I, I feel like, Seth, I can counterbalance some of the, this with some positivity. Like, there, I have very fond memories of certain experiences on the Wii U, such as getting Wind Waker HD. I always loved mm. Wind Waker on the GameCube. Mm. So the return... And and the, the you know the st streamlined the fast sailing all of that was really cool, and I really like the asymmetrical multiplayer in Nintendo Land. Mm -hmm. That's yes. it though. The rest the oh, Wii U really <laughs> poorly made machine. First of all, mm. on, from a design perspective, the way the Wii U looks as a console is the most boring design ever. The the Wii tried something different by standing up at an angle. It's a showpiece. It was like, you know, it was like glossy white, looked really cool. The Wii U looked like something that you would want to put away. It's this weird elongated, not quite small enough to be impressively small, but also a little bit too big to look cool device. The plastic used on the Wii U pad is super chintzy and, and really shiny and awful. And it's literally a controller that you hold all the time. So it will always have fingerprints the moment you even... You can just look at the Wii U controller and it gets fingerprints. <laughs> the battery life of the original Wii U gamepad was abysmal for mm. a device that you had... 
that couldn't be swapped out with another one. You know, like with other controllers, you could put in new batteries or you could easily plug it in or you could, you know, you could have a second one around and some backups couldn't do that with the Wii U because the machine wasn't designed for that. Um, and then the, the interface, everybody forgets how slow the machine was in the beginning. It, the going between menus, I mean, so menus slow. had low time. It was awful. Over time, it got better, right? And that's not to say that the Wii U is is terrible, honestly, but it is my least favorite of the Nintendo consoles for sure. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that I got old. And when you get old, sometimes you look at a distance and you try to read something close up and it doesn't work. Your eyes take about three minutes to adjust. And you try to play <laughs> Star Fox that way, even mm -hmm. with glasses, and Star Fox constantly makes you go between the two screens. It was not old people friendly. And so that's for that ageism, it's, it's my least favorite console. Mm -hmm. My, I feel wow. like, so one of my Nintendo console, one of the best experiences I had in the Wii U is playing a lot of Smash Brothers 4. Mm -hmm. mm. But that to me is emblematic of the Wii U's legacy, which is Smash Brothers Ultimate was a continuation of Smash 4 and it was better yeah. in mm. like every way possible. <laughs> I think I think honestly, Wii U just has been eclipsed by the the Switch to such an extent that, like in hindsight, we can say this. But I can tell you, like my family and I, we played Nintendo Land every day, and it's still hooked up because that game is so good. Not everything in Nintendo Land is good, but it has three or four core games Most that are fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and like that's an experience that is time locked in the Wii U that hasn't come back in that form, and so that's why I cherish the machine and I like that I own one. Mm -hmm. And if it gets bricked. Um, I will prob <laughs> probably buy another one, um, mm. but it's a weird piece of hardware. Come on, Seth. I think I think it's sort of faded to be a bit of a footnote in Nintendo's history, partially because yes, I I, I also agree. I do not like the hardware of that thing, but it it did have good games. The unfortunate thing is for the Wii U's legacy is almost every single one of those games is now on the Switch, yeah. and is almost almost yeah. every version is better on the Switch. Um, they really got a lot of the, out of the deluxe moniker uh, over the last six <laughs> years. And uh, it's really just a few high-profile games that are locked on there anymore, including the Zelda games, including the NES Remix games, including Nintendo Land, which... I Super really Mario Maker, it. the original one. The, the, yeah, but now we have two, you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like... But it's not the Wii U was the, the system that made you rebuy the games you already mm, owned on Virtual mm. Console for more money. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. For a discounted amount, but it was more money. I, I will say one thing, and, and you know, the, the Wii U as an idea, I remember before it came out, a lot of people said, do we really need this, right? A machine where the handheld is tethered to the core console. You can't take it with you to the bathroom or upstairs or anything. And so, you know, people were very confused about that limitation. And in hindsight, I think a lot more people were confused about that once they bought it and played it but the controller at, it, at itself was actually really comfortable right like it was ergonomic it yes. kind of it was a little bit of a throw, throwback to how chubby. the gamecube controller felt it was large and your your arms could get tired after playing for a while but like it was ergonomic and it was nice to have oh, something please. where your hands weren't that close together i i appreciated that but the unique angle of having a, a touchscreen built in that could interact with the games was cut short by the fact that only Nintendo seemed to come up with the good ideas for it. Mm -hmm. Zombie U, notwithstanding, right? Kind of cool idea, look in your bag. 
But what also happened is that Microsoft immediately ripped the idea of this concept of second screen. And so a lot of games coming out, even from third parties on, on, the, on the Xbox at the time, used an iPad or a phone for oh, second screen yeah. experiences. And like you played Assassin's Creed and then on the second screen, you could direct your fleet to gather resources, right? Like, so all of those things were no longer special because you could do them on every every game. And so what did it become then? It became the most expensive map in the history of console gaming. <laughs> and it tanked the Wii U because it forced them to raise the price because they were packing it in with every console. And I understand that a lot of people, especially people with much bigger hands than me, really liked the ergonomics of the Wii U gamepad, but I was desperate to get rid of that thing. It was huge. It was heavy. Look and at Rockbiter there with his giant claws. Yeah. <laughs> I I would use the the pro controller and I think you had to turn on the Wii U using the the gamepad like it was like no you're going to use this gamepad it's going to happen like I was trying to find ways to circumvent it and the Wii U was fighting at me at every single turn to be fair though you could program your remote cuz it it did have uh that yeah. was the best part yeah. at TV TV, TV? I, you could turn it on with I wasn't your remote watching so TV anymore I, I, I hear dude you. <laughs> it was 2016 thing yeah and a pass through hdmi so you could like have it's like saying you know the xbox one did have hdmi pass through that was <laughs> as if people were still watching cable in 2013 what? I what the wii u i don't know that was all on the wii wasn't it i was gonna say that <laughs> it had some playful uh ideas for like you know gamification but then the wii u did i i did really appreciate the wii u's kind of like startup screen with all the little dudes running around and all oh, that. yeah i, I love like the meavers yeah, yeah. Thank you to the, the Wii U for Splatoon, the Miiverse, mm. and Amiibos. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there was oh, much more personality in mm -hmm. the Switch on the Wii U. Yes, I'll yeah. give it that. Yeah. See, that's all it takes. And you know, before we wrap this conversation where you're all wrong, I will say that the uh, <laughs> Wii U was the home was to be the home of the definitive edition of Aliens Colonial Marines. So, <laughs> mm. oh. wow, there's a Which, game by I the way, thought about in ten years. I played I played through that game in its entirety for a blog for oneup.com that was commissioned by none other than Jose Otero. Oh, I was hmm. wow, yeah. impressive, yeah. I, I think the thing that annoys me about the Wii the most is how much it messed up like console generations for <laughs> Nintendo. I still don't know which generation it's part of. Is it part of the Wii generation or is it part of the Switch generation? Like which which side does it like land in? The, oh, it's the Wii U generation. The purists so. are saying Switch is not the same generation as the Xbox Series SX and PS5. Like, if you, if you Wikipedia it or look at any, like, super core nerd uh, uh, wikis out there, the Switch is the oddball in that it fixes the generation. I mean, it's totally up to interpretation, right? Like, what constitutes yeah. a new generation? Is it just hardware power? Is it a change in... Is it time, right? So, um yeah. But yeah, that that's a funny thing to be mad at. <laughs> well, it's 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 funny to me because it's destined Nintendo to always sort of be staggered with everyone else. Oh, I see. Know? But but, but Which, isn't isn't that cool though? Then you get it is. It's cool yeah. in its own way. It makes it so it's not like just a rush of three things all at once anymore. And I do like that. So I guess I guess I'll have to backdoor compliment the Wii U after tearing it to shreds thank I, you for for messing up they, console generations. yeah i like it i like it when new gen, new consoles don't come out in the same week like they have done mm -hmm. in the past at some time you know then you get these staggered experiences and i'll f fondly recall the dreamcast for making games look really really pretty mm. for two years mm -hmm. until then everybody made them prettier the time. I, I, mm -hmm. 
It's funny to think about Nintendo nostalgia because by the time the GameCube died, Nintendo fans were like, I'm so ready to get rid of this stupid thing and move Mm -hmm. on to a different platform. Uh, GameCube, there was not a lot of love for the GameCube or the GBA in their particular day and ages, as I recall. Mm -hmm. But Hmm. the the Wii U was the same deal. Like when the Switch came out, everybody was like, oh, thank God we can finally move on. But now there's an entire generation who's coming up. They're like, yeah, I grew up with the Wii and the Wii U, and I absolutely love them. Yeah. And now that the Wii U is was always kind of the, like, you're kind of hip if you have Wii U appreciation. So it's going to be such a hipster pick in about five years. But the the difference is, of course, the GameCube was good and the Wii U wasn't. Yes. The well. people who compare the Wii U to Dreamcast, please wash out your mouth with soap. How oh, dare. my God. How I was just dare. about to make that. I'm just kidding. I didn't. But I will say that... Uh, I, I don't think there's any fear of Wii U nostalgia coming down the road. Oh, it's Simply already because... happening, Seth. It's happening. I, I see it on Twitter all the time. It's happening right there. Uh, well, that guy. <laughs> this isn't nostalgia. This is just me spitting facts. But oh. I think that <laughs> the fact that Nintendo did bring almost all the good games from Wii U to Switch kind of made it not. I think that's a factor. There. I think we would be talking mm. differently if we w- went back to that machine mm. frequently to play its yeah. best games. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I held on to my, I held on to all those Switch games and then I held on to Bayonetta 2 and I was like, well, there's no way they're going to be bringing this one. And then of course mm-hmm. they did. And, uh, but yeah, for, you know, for a while there, you could only play Bayonetta 2 by hooking up your Wii U, you know, mm-hmm. you could only play Mario Kart for what, like five seconds. Hey Seth, I'm curious, what, when you hook up your Wii U, what's the, the game that comes up on the screen? Actually, the game, the game pad, oops, the game pad turned on, but the, the Wii U did not. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, well, that's but, then uh, it's fine. It will never die. Yeah. It will <laughs> never die. It's uh, the last game that we played on it was uh, Super Mario Maker, mm. and the game before that was one of the Lego Batman. So clearly, my kids were the last ones to to use it, and I also they also gave a clue that they were the last ones to use it because the um, the, the rubber thumbsticks were filthy and sticky like somebody mm. had been eating a popsicle do you have do you have the white version no i have the the black one the interesting the thumbsticks deteriorate right they the the mm-hmm. rubber will melt over time oh well then that's what happened yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gross yeah no it's yeah. covered in dog fur it, they become really sticky unfortunately yeah, I, that's what happened okay yeah. i, I had the white version thing. because for whatever reason games stop like reserved me the wrong one when i pre-ordered it and uh they are the most disgusting thumbsticks i've ever seen and <laughs> i i i blame myself for a long time because i'm like did i just not wash my hands before playing games when i was younger <laughs> but like i think it's a pretty common problem i think those were just really poorly I, made sticks i think i think the wii u in general like i'm you know i was half joking about the plastic i, th- I think the plastic is really cheap and i don't mm. think it's it not was, great i don't think it was an aesthetic choice i think it was a necessity that screen costs a lot of money and to add that to a console uh, and and try to sell that at the same price as the competition just wasn't possible, and so they they cheaped out on some of the material. No, I I, I will I'll, I'll give you that because I was also looking at the console itself, and it's like it's so scratched up and stained, and it's just like how did this get so beat up? And it's because the plastic's just kind of yeah kind of booty. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals, so I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television, uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was 
kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Well, there it is. We all agree the Wii U was great. Now we're <laughs> going to talk about Nintendo's handhelds. And we're going to rank them definitively, starting with the worst Nintendo handheld of all time and this it's not the worst it's the least good how's that we're gonna put a positive spin on this and i'm gonna say that the game and watch <laughs> as important as it was okay probably well, hold the on least. what so you're ranking them do we comment on it how does this work yeah you just agree with me okay and so just ground rules is the virtual boy a handheld or no uh well no nobody okay. knows what the then, virtual then boy you, is then you pick stands you can okay. the switch carry it around if you wanted. 
we'll get to we'll get to the, okay. the switch. Okay. All right. Well, could continue, sir. Sorry for the interruption. Okay. Uh, the next handheld Nintendo DS. Now listen, cat. I know we had this discussion. What? The Nintendo DS comes next, but no. not because it's the second least good. No. But it's because it's superseded by the 3ds which is comes later in the list oh that's a mm. weird reason no it's not yeah. it's that's not because weird... i make the rules okay, okay. i i let you I'm get one... away with a game and watch and didn't you ask you whether it's the dual screen version or 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 the standard i was one or looking the expanded into or the there are like ones. a thousand different oh, that's right. variations even... that i was unaware of there's a zelda watch one which i have which is great anyway but like what, what you just stated was really wrong right because <laughs> <laughs> the, ga the, the game boy we recall fondly but we could not see what games were playing on the game well boy it turns because... out that's the next one on the list yeah yeah the now game so boy. you can <laughs> probably just switch those then no no no, no. Wait, ds wait. is below game boy okay um, because Game Boy is uh, probably, I'm going to say, the most important handheld video game console oh, of okay, all Okay, but that's important. What is the list yeah. again? It's the best. And because it's important, mm. it's the best. The Game Boy is like, the best. Uh, the right. Game Boy, unlike the Wii U, is still working to this day. That's true oh. and will never die. I just want to point out that there are a lot of versions of the Game Boy, and the Game Boy Pocket was quite mm. beautiful as yeah. opposed to the fuzzy Sleek. green vacuum tube version. That's right. So the OG Game Boy is, is definitely uh, last can I count on the game? List. And can I just add that I count the Game Boy Color as part of the Game Boy family? Yeah, yeah thing, I think that's fair. That thing went on Nintendo for like does. 15 years, and it was almost like two generations in one. It's actually pretty impressive. And there are so many... Uh -huh. that, the Game Boy's aesthetic is such a mood now. I yeah. love going back to it on the analog pocket, in particular in playing games like Wario Land and mm -hmm. Pokemon Crystal and... Even OG yeah. Pokemon uh, Game Boy games that originally <coughs> came out in the late '80s still look really good today. I find it charming at this point. Yeah, it was, yeah. and then there are a lot of the hidden gems like Metal Gear Solid, uh, Ghost Babel, and things like that. <laughs> oh that's yeah. Right. yeah, that's right. A unique Metal Gear game just for I, that. Okay, I, I desperately want that on the Switch. Yeah, never happened. Don't Has the uh, best Donkey Kong game, happen. Donkey Kong '94. Yep, there you go. It's uh, so it's true. it's. Yeah. It, it's it's a wonderful system to this day and a huge defining part of Nintendo's history. So I also look, I think it's I the need best to point one. out. Yeah. The 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 difference between like in this listing, it's not like a huge gap. You know, yeah. like okay. they're all very high up there in quality. You, you, so, I feel like you're bargaining bargaining now. Listen, like I might be if but that's okay. If you yes. took a game and watch and a Game Boy into a dark room and you started them up and played a game, what would you see? If if it was a dark room? Nothing, right? But if you brought Nothing, a Nintendo yeah. DS, you could mm. play under your blanket so, in the dark. So at this point, we're talking about the actual hardware as yeah. opposed to the game. Yeah, we're not Look, okay. there's a lot of different factors here that came into this extremely scientific, objective list that okay. I have put right, together. Fine. I think I've yeah, actually lost my place. Yes. We're, we're yeah. going to let you uh, finish your oh. list. Okay. Yeah. Game Boy Advance is next, obviously. That's uh, just like a much, it's just a Super Nintendo that you could carry with you. Actually, I would say, uh, I think some the Game Boy Advance graphics are like my favorite sprite-based graphics of all time. Mm -hmm. I think okay. they just look so wonderful and they're so colorful and bold and bright. Didn't look so great on the Advance itself, but in future, you know, like on the analog or like on Nintendo Switch Online, mm -hmm. they look 
amazing. It's so you're not library. including Game Boy Color, right? Like you're just seeing Game no, Boy no, Color. Game Boy Color is part Boy? of Game Boy, like cat set. Game Boy Color oh, okay. is part so of. So it's combined oh. into one. Okay, so it would yeah, be yeah. before Game Boy Advance. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you I play just... Game Boy Color games on huh? the Game Boy. No, I know. I'm just. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. Was still confused if he's ranking hardware or just the I'm... generations. Everything. Everything's included. I mean, if we wanted to do the, I mean, it would take. No. It would take. It would take a whole. Yeah, it would show. take years. Yeah. It would take literally yeah. years. Yeah. Before before all... you move on from the Game Boy Advance, I do want to give a specific shout out to the SP because that yes. is a great piece of hardware. That's great. Love Everyone it. loves it. Has the SP. one critical flaw, an exhaust port flaw. The hinge. No, mm. it doesn't have a proper uh, headphone jack. Oh, that's right. It oh, had the yeah. multi out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. the worst. Oh yeah, that was terrible. I bought a pair of headphones that just plugged into that weird little. <laughs> oh, me uh, too. They were yeah. bad headphones. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I will should, give you, Seth, on durability, the, the DS is definitely behind the original Game Boy because the DS did have the hinge problem and they, they're all busted. Which DS? Because the yeah. DS, Fatty. Uh, the, the new one. Fatty Silver. <laughs> Fatty Silver. Fatty Silver. Yeah. yeah. You could club someone. Giant thing. thing. Yeah, like you open no, it. I, I, love, I love the DS. The I DS, like, uh, some of my favorite handheld experiences were on the Nintendo DS, but... I also could play those on my 3DS, which is why that is the next okay. best. Mm. It's the 3DS because it did everything the 2DS did or the DS did plus 3DS stuff. And I, mm. I love the 3DS graphic style. It has like a weird sort of PS1, PS2 era, but in the palm of your hand. And I like that a lot. And I like that it's 3D because as I've said before in the past, the only time I can see 3D is if I'm watching a 3D movie or if I'm looking at the 3d screen on my 3ds otherwise everything is just a flat and featureless uh landscape so 3ds mm -hmm. is the next and the number one nintendo handhold held of all time is the nintendo switch okay all right okay yeah, yeah so now, now we're not going to disagree with you anymore uh it's okay, technically good. a hybrid yeah. <laughs> i know but it's <laughs> Uh, I Some do... people, all right, fine. Nintendo Switch Lite there, so, is the greatest Nintendo handheld of all time. So something happened to uh, one of my son's brains, and he dug through all <laughs> my gaming devices and got it, found an old Nintendo DS. So not the fatty, uh, the the yes, redesigned like one that came in colors that would put 1950s T-Birds to shame, like you know the oh. bright blue, like yeah. metallic, and the, the red one. He found a red one to play Chrono Trigger. Yeah. That's a great I don't know what happened. I immediately sus suspected. I'm like, did some YouTuber talk about this? Because I've been trying to get you to play this all. <laughs> oh, it's trending on TikTok right now. It's the I Chrono Trigger it was challenge. Something like that, and he he was just like, no. He he opened a, a game closet, and there was Chrono Trigger, and he had heard that it was good, probably from me or me playing a song on the piano or something. And uh, he's almost done with it. Play on and, the piano. Yeah. Are you gonna Are you gonna serenade us sometime, pair? You know what? He heard me play. Um, a frog's theme. Just you know fun. that one? And he really liked it. So maybe that was the spark. One of my favorite YouTube things is just watching people play old video game songs yeah. on piano. Yeah. So, Pear, that's like an entire segment. If, we did, it, we'd, oh, if yeah. we did it, we'd probably be sued by like a game publisher for oh, yeah. music. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah. It's a cover, Pear. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. Covered by Fair I'll play it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chrono Trigger on the Nintendo DS is a, actually a great way to play that game. There was it a, is. There was a pretty good, yeah, there was a pretty good list with some errors, of course, which you know now. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I, it's, it's cool. Whenever you talk about Nintendo handhelds, 
and and you compare you you create this compact little list and then you see the actual units they release over the years it's mighty impressive right like just yeah. thinking about the game boy advance you already called out the sp but there were so many more right including the micro um that mm. came out way late and like it's a beautiful <laughs> device that's beautiful device that's not very playable but like there's just so many cool cool little sidesteps and experiments and there's the 2ds my appreciation mm. for the 3DS, 3DS is Whoa. my appreciation for the GBA has grown a lot. Yep. Over the mm. years, mm. I just love playing but, so many of those, so many good Castlevania games, so many good Metroid games. Do you remember Worm Lights? Yes. I, right? Yeah. Like we we yes. couldn't yeah. see yes. the games on the Game Boy Advance, so we had to buy these little telephone cord worm lights you, you plugged into the multi out, which means you couldn't use your headphones. I just, and then, you know, you had a light. I just want to point out, Pear, that there was such a thing as a Game Boy Light, as in like, the device mm. with a backlit screen. Only like the richest had that. I think only that was only, did exist. only in Japan though, right? Yeah. That was only a Japanese in release. Japan, yeah. mm. They were dragging their, their feet on releasing backlighting or even front lighting. See, everybody else had to buy that horrible accessory with the magnifying glass. Oh, that okay. was the worst. Mm. Yeah, every like four months that goes through like a social media feed everyone's like oh, i can't believe it my friend james had that whole stupid oh, i knew thing people who had it speakers yeah. but then like yeah, and the lights the magnifying it was dumb but then sega and atari worked really hard to make handhelds with like better screens and that you could play in the dark and nobody bought them it's all about the yeah, games, because my they took eight double d batteries and they lasted 35 minutes there it is <laughs> oh my handy boy God. we're seeing Check a picture that bad boy out. go oh google the handy God. boy yeah he had that and i was super envious oh my God. i mean he had like all the he had the handy turbo boy. graphics express <laughs> a terrible thumbsticks too yeah yeah yeah, it's horrible. We, we, oh, for, for our listeners, we're looking at a picture of what can only be described a face hugger attacking a, a Game Boy. <laughs> um, it's a giant magnifying glass with button overlays and a stick, and it has really bigger ears than Prince Charles. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It might just be because of this picture, but it seems like the magnifying glass makes the King screen Charles. seem even smaller. Well, that's that's a trick of the of the camera. It actually ah, worked awesome. So. That light, that uh, magnifying glass was also lit, so it would lit light mm. up the um, the screen for you. But let's not well. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the lanyard. There is a lanyard mm. there, so you can wear it around your neck oh, and get and beaten and up, drag yourself down, and get beaten up, get beaten up by the jocks. Yeah, it's uh, like Flavor Flav has his clock, and then people like me and my friend had the uh, the handy boy lanyard. But mm. all right, there it is—the official list breakdown of all the top Nintendo handhelds of all time. Uh, knock on wood, double stamp, cannot be gone back upon. All right, let's 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 hit the Miiverse. Cat, what's going on with you in the Miiverse these days? Well, first of all, Seth, I have a correction. It wasn't Persona cool. Q2 Shadow of the Labyrinth. That was the original game. It's New Cinema Labyrinth Ooh. was the sequel. So please stop yelling at me in the comments. <laughs> I've done it. I'm just telling just you. testing you. Just delete your comment yeah. right now. Uh, nice. Yeah, I wanted to talk briefly about the Kirby game that we all completely forgot about. Mm. Mm. Uh, Kirby Return to Dreamland. Mm -hmm. uh, is that what it's called? Um, yeah, it, it is Kirby's yeah. Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Deluxe. And Deluxe. I reviewed by Colin. Yeah. I, I reviewed that game on the Wii. Oh, back oh. In two the reviewers here. Back, uh, back on the Game Pro. Fight! It, it was a perfectly enjoyable co-op experience, and mm -hmm. by Kirby standards, decidedly middle of the pack. So I thought yeah. it was 
um, interesting that Nintendo brought this one back. Oh yeah, it did give us Kirby with the giant sword, which mostly I associate with uh, Smash Brothers. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. But by and large, I think the ga- problem with this game is the the level design is actually pretty, not that great by Kirby standards. What do you think, Colin? Like revisiting it in the current day uh, and age? I agree. I think the the tricky thing is, and this is. This game is really emblematic for all of Kirby's sort of issues in that the first like two thirds of the game uh, are so simple and overly easy that it's just not very fun. And once it starts getting going towards the end, it's actually quite good. But, you know, a third of a good game doesn't make a good game or uh, it's still good, but doesn't make a great game, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it it just playing it because I had played it on the Wii as well, but playing through it again on the Switch. I was really trying hard to remember how it was like differentiated between any other 2D Kirby game I've ever played, and it, I just couldn't really remember anything. It's a multiplayer, besides... four player, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. The, that's its main gimmick. Which uh, I mean, it's pretty fun to play with your friends. I mean, it's yeah. the sort of game that I think you would play with your kids if you have them. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's a great uh, parent mode type game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tricky thing though is I, I played it four player for a while with some coworkers in the office to you know test it out, and it's very fun in its own right. But it really strips away any sort of like design from the game. The the sort of the the intention of using certain powers and doing certain things certain ways sort of goes away because then suddenly you're just you know running left to right trying to smash things as quickly as you can boss fights they stop having like patterns and you just start doing this you just start beating them up as a group of people and you're not really paying attention to anything you know so it's 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 one of those instances where like yeah it's very fun to play with people but it's because that's it, just it's just fun playing video games with friends you know mm-hmm. no it's it's a it's a good party game and uh, it's funny because nobody was asking for this, I don't think. I don't think people were like, you know, we need Kirby's Return to Dreamland on the Nintendo Switch. Get it out yep. before you get out Wind Waker. It is an imperative. But I... Nintendo, Nintendo doesn't care. They're just going to keep putting those Kirby games out and <laughs> you're going to like them. They must sell. Yeah. Yep. They yeah, must that's what I'm thinking. do or, I... or it's because uh, Hal Laboratory has like some dirt on Nintendo. <laughs> More, more likely, I, there's a lot of big legacy. There's a big legacy piece I understand with mm-hmm. how laboratory. Um, I I originally but. had a full whole a whole paragraph in my review about like why this game, and it, it eventually <laughs> it felt like unnecessary. And I had a whole conversation with Tom Marks about it, uh, who was editing it for me, and we we agreed to take it out. But I do still feel that way. I do still feel like why why is it this game? You look at the sales; it did not sell anything special compared to other uh Kirby games usually they sell like around a million maybe two um it reviewed fine um i do know though it is definitely a fan favorite people who love Kirby games really love really Kirby dreamland mm-hmm. uh, uh, is that we nostalgia creeping up is that yeah. true zoomers you asking you asking the wrong person oh. <laughs> so far i've only encountered one good Kirby game Oh no, there's it, Avalanche too. Dude, Kirby's Adventure does exist. <laughs> and Superstar. Like, yeah. I like Epic Yarn as well. It's 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 very yeah, cute. It's lovely. What it I, is. I never got into Deluxe. Not the original mm. and not the re-release. Um I, I have to I have to break out. I have to get the kids to play four player though on the Switch. So mm-hmm. so um I, I have it, fun time. I have it queued up and we're gonna definitely do that. Mm-hmm. The one with the mech is uh, Planet Robo. Yeah. You know what? 
I take it back. The Robobot is the third one. So we have three good yeah. Kirby games already now. Yeah, it's another one you should download on the 3DS eShop. Mm-hmm. It's too late. Are you there a Kirby? Are two... mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, there's two types of Kirby games. There is There are the 2D side-scrolling Kirby games that are way too easy, especially at the beginning, which is mm-hmm. the camp that uh, uh, Return to Dreamland fits in. And then there's like the insanely creative ones. And the insanely creative ones are the ones that I'll always get behind. Canvas Curse is a whole lot of fun. Oh, I like that one too. So there's four good. Yeah. yeah. So what is... Yeah. What I, and is Air Ride was creative. Where does last year's release fit in there? I like that. That's I my think, favorite. I think that almost goes into like a third category now because yeah. it's the first 3D Kirby game. Yeah. Hey, yeah. We're, we're disrespecting Kirby's Adventure a lot. A game that had it really good level design, a lot of secrets to find, a lot of powers. It was a really meaningful expansion of the original uh, Kirby's Dreamland. And it was also one of the best looking games on the NES. It was, it was mm. an excellent, excellent game. And it, mm-hmm. harder than you remember, I think. Mm. Yeah. One, I heard one you, of, you fight a tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shocker. Uh, one very positive thing I will say for Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, because I feel like I'm being a little bit too negative. I do think it's a good game. Um, the final sequence of the game is, it, it reminded me of um, Forgotten Land <laughs> in the sense that it goes insane. It does wild, wild things to the point where it's just like, why could this not be the whole game? Uh, but it is very fun. The last hour of that game uh, had me thinking, like, should I give this an eight? And then I went through all my notes and I was like, oh, I was like considering giving this like a six for a while. So seven is fair. Okay. Fair enough. How long to beat? You should check it out on howlongtobeat.com. Yeah, that's right. And I keep, keep going to point and then hitting my microphone. Absolute complete amateur hour over here. Well, <laughs> as we are nearing the end of the show, it's time to hit question block. And I want to get some questions in. This one is from, uh, I'm going to apologize ahead because I always mess up everybody's name. Ikra Asad Khan asks, is there any reason for someone to get a 3DS in 2023? No. I'm oh, come on. Say, Sorry, what? Yes. If you can get your hands on the games. All right, sure. let, let Seth answer wrong first. Go. No, because they are stupidly expensive Oh, now. okay. All right, we're fine. They mm. just cost too much money the games cost too much money. Yeah. There's no reason to get one now because you've just been priced out. I don't like, look, Metal okay. Gear, like I was saying earlier, Metal Gear Solid 3DS, awesome game. Probably not an 80 to a hundred dollar game. Dragon Quest seven, great Dragon Quest game. Probably not a $130 game. Uh, this 3DS model right here. Oh. I love it. It's a new Nintendo 3DS. It's like a four hundred dollar one now. So oh, yeah, wow. no, I what? just three DS for like a couple hundred bucks. I see yeah. them all the time over at our local retro game shop, which is fairly well stocked. There's a decent number of fair, still relatively affordable three uh, DS games, and then you can play DS games on it as well, mm-hmm. and w- many of which are actually outside yeah, of like okay. the high, super high price point yeah. ones. Uh, fairly affordable and by the way you can still get stuff off the eShop just act fast yeah <laughs> right I, even when the eShop is gone though there's so much good stuff to play and like from my perspective the 3ds is a unique piece of gaming hardware 
that is probably never going to be made again. Mm-hmm. It offers an experience with the 3D, and obviously, if you if you do have issues with 3D and makes you sick or something, stay away. But like, 3D games look so cool on that little mm-hmm. thing. It's so yeah, sharp and do. beautiful and crisp. And seeing some of like like some of the games like Super Mario Land, for example, the 3D actually helps you judge your jumps. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that machine. But yeah, if it's too expensive, then obviously. Where would we what? be as a culture without Steel Diver? I ask mm. you. <laughs> I like Steel Diver too. With all due respect to Giles Goddard, who was on our show recently. All I will say is Link Between Worlds is worth the price of admission alone. I think okay. it's, mm-hmm. I personally mm-hmm. think it's the best 2D Zelda game. And that's saying a lot because I love basically every 2D Zelda game. And it's game. only like $30. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so I guess you know, Seth is right. If it's super expensive, then obviously wait. But maybe some grandma is selling one in a yard sale and did mm. not scratch you know, it. That is true. Um, owning a 3ds, there, there are you, there are unique experiences on the 3ds that you cannot get on any other machine right now, including mm. this one, right? Link so mm. good. Uh, worlds. Now I just want to play this game. game. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like I need to play this tonight right? too. But I got so much other <laughs> stuff to play. Just having the backward compatibility, just the backward compatibility with the Nintendo DS plus all of the eShop finds, mm-hmm. totally worth it. It's a wonderful machine. Yep. Okay. Oh look, look, I I kind of teeter back and forth between like the 3ds and like the super nes being my favorite nintendo console okay i probably would give the 3ds like the edge just because you know you can just go anywhere with it and there are so many games but like i just so they're so expensive expensive didn't you just put the switch above it in the list you gave us yeah for all it was an objective ranking colin (laughs) it's all-time greatest handhelds but that doesn't mean like lightning round what favorite nintendo console go super nes Mm. Nintendo Switch for me. Okay. Well, yeah. it might be soon. Yes. It is. Yeah. Mine, mine's also the Nintendo Switch. I, I was thinking about this last night as I was going to bed. It has my favorite version of a lot of different uh, Nintendo franchises. Uh, okay. Engage has become my favorite no. uh, Fire Emblem game. Colin. Uh, okay. And uh, a <laughs> I love Engage. That's Besides so the good. story, like yeah. whatever. But like I became engrossed in this thing and I'm fully going to play all the DLC. Um, uh, uh, Breath of the Wild is my favorite Zelda game uh odyssey is my favorite mario game and i know that this is controversial but dread is actually my favorite metroid game so it's not controversial it's fantastic i love excellent i I love all of those games so much but man metroid prime was good i I beat it like the best version of metroid prime is on the switch almost didn't go to sleep it was so good (laughs) Mm. well i i think the 3ds is my favorite plays all the 2ds games i just love it because it rekindled my love for rpgs um because i didn't have to go I didn't have to go looking for save points I, when mm. I wanted to go to bed. I could just close <laughs> it and go to bed, which was nice. Except for the times when I would forget to charge it and I would lose like six hours worth of fun. Mm. So, mm. Um, all right. We have a question from Andres Vialba. Apart from Zelda. Oh, this is a good one for you, Pear. Uh, apart from Zelda and Mario games, what are your favorite video game soundtracks? Soundtracks? Wow. Yeah. I was just playing Theatrhythm which is out on the Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch, which is a absolutely, if you get the expensive $100 collector's edition with all the DLC packed in, it's got music from Chrono Trigger, Live Alive, the Final Fantasy, the Saga Ooh. franchise, everything, right? It's hundreds and hundreds of songs. The Final Fantasy series just has the most amazing soundtrack of all time. Mm. Yeah. And it's followed by other Square games, like Chrono Trigger has an amazing soundtrack. Secret of Mana has an amazing soundtrack. Live Alive has beautiful music. So um, if... 
there is an applicable way for you to hear a lot of this music by playing this game, including different versions of, uh, you know, sometimes orchestrated, sometimes chip tunes uh, in theater rhythm. <clears throat> they're, they're, you know, a lot of my fondness for video game soundtracks goes back to the Super NES, but I also grew up with, with home co uh, computers before that. And there is a, a Rob Hubbard was a composer who made music for these old Commodore 64 games, and they all sounded freaking amazing. Like oh, the, the stuff he squeezed. Iridium, like all these games, the stuff he squeezed out of those machines. But generally today, it's Final Fantasy, and then Nintendo is just so creative. Just if you, if you, you know, obviously the Mario franchise is, is one thing, but like almost every Nintendo series has a unique style of music. Listen to Splatoon; it sounds like nothing else. It's so yeah. freaking cool. Mm -hmm. Pikmin with its weird bang bang sounds like it sounds like nothing else. So Nintendo is always uh, is always up there. All right. Yeah. Colin, what about you? What's your favorite uh, video game soundtracks? So immediately, I agree with the Final Fantasy picks, I, and most things Square makes uh, have incredible soundtracks. Um, Live Alive really proved that to me. And like when Megalomania gets in there, you're just like, <laughs> there, you cannot like not jam out while you're while you're listening to that. Um, Final Fantasy, it's tricky because I start thinking about the individual soundtracks, and there's so many things that I love about individual ones. I think six is really strong. Seven and nine are both very strong. Eight has a very, uh, the Liberal Fatale, I think is the name of the song. It gets me going. Uh, <laughs> I really love 10 for its uniqueness, but it, it's, it's very different compared to most other Final Fantasy soundtracks. Um, and I was realizing this watching. Uh, the Last of Us on HBO. Um, I've always liked the music in The Last of Us, but it really makes it reminds you how strong so many of those themes are. Because when they pop up, when you hear like Ellie's theme, when you hear the main theme over the credits, you you remember like these were really incredibly well made songs in the first place, mm. and they have a very uh, special place in my heart. Um, and so, outside of Nintendo and outside of Final Fantasy, I would I would have to give a kudos to, to Last of Us and Last of Us Part 2. So you brought up Live Alive, that's Yoko Shimomura, the composer, right? Ooh. She made the music for uh, Final Fantasy Fighter. 15, which I had played through that game, I really liked it, and I went back uh, playing the music in theater rhythm, and I did not remember how much acid kicks that soundtrack is. They added <laughs> The World Ends With You Oof. to theater. Yeah. That's right, they so added good. that too. So, so uh, you know, there, there are a couple of Maven's uh, amazing composers that will always stick out, like Uematsu, obviously, mm. but Shimomura is good. Uh, if you've, you know, if you've never played Act Razor, like there's just so much good music coming did, out of Japan. Did Shimomura primarily do 13? Because 13 did have a very good soundtrack. She did she contribute to that one? I forget. She I did remember. 15. 15, like all the like big mm -hmm. choir stuff that sounds yeah. like. Yeah. People will let us know in the comments yep. and they'll be like, I can't I, believe that guy didn't know. She did a ton. She did Street Fighter too as well. well. After yep. after Sakaguchi, I start. Um, <laughs> or, or not Sakaguchi, I'm sorry. Who is the main uh, composer of the early Final Ooh, Fantasy? Uematsu. Uematsu. Thank you very yeah. much. Not, the, not Sakaguchi. He was the creator. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah. It's such good music throughout the franchise. <laughs> Kat, what about you? Uh, I want to shout out Elden Ring, which mm. has incredible sound design because when that so many so much of the time it's very quiet, but when it decides to go hard, it goes so hard. And I think the absence of music can be as powerful as putting in like a soundtrack because it makes those yeah. tracks even better. Monster Hunter World 
where every many of the monsters have specific soundtracks and when like a basil juice shows up or something and you're like oh no uh the, it does such an incredible job with its uh individual sound cues and s certain ones when you're fighting you're it's it is epic and then mm. low-key ninja gaiden for the original nes oh that's a good call man yeah. the, those songs go so hard i yeah. i love virtually every single one of them they're really really good and the thing that i love about super smash brothers ultimate is that it collects so many of those songs into one game and mm. wonderful remixes of them mm. i will listen to it frequently yeah. on youtube smash is such a good okay. soundtrack i feel yeah. sad talking about this because as we're talking i keep thinking of other composers and soundtracks you know just rares games and mm. what they sounded mm. like or mm -hmm. the top gear series right like there's so many great compositions maybe someday we just need to do a whole episode on music and play some awesome. of our favorites that'd be really fun I could do that, that would be super day. cool i um i'm kind of surprised by the, the nobody said my picks what is which it which are these are two well they're actually technically three like video game soundtracks that i actually listen to regularly on spotify and it's uh minecraft volume alpha and minecraft volume beta okay i listen to yep. those all the time uh with the only problem is in like the second song a chicken gets killed and it's like you're <laughs> oh, no. i'm drifting off to sleep and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> and then i wake back up again and it takes me an hour to fall back um and then the other soundtrack which i think i like more and i've probably listened to more since it came out is uh disaster pieces soundtrack for fez i think that oh. is probably the coolest video game soundtrack of all time some and good I picks love it. here I love it love mm. it i know those aren't like traditional you know chip tune or anything like that yeah but like i listen to those like i would listen to just any other weird you know all i listen to really is like weird vaporwave music and then i listen to those two weird electronic music games this, music so the Sorry. scott pilgrim Sorry. soundtrack on the Very nintendo good. switch mm -hmm. so good that anamanaguchi can basically hand hang their hat on that particular soundtrack and go do like a reunion tour around it yeah <laughs> yeah well, there it is I, I, I hope that, I, that I would is. be remiss. sorry colin i have to cut you off uh, okay go ahead Next I know, time. I know, it sucks. I hate it when this happens. I'm sorry, Colin. What have we I done left. to you? <laughs> Pokemon. That's all I have to say. There you oh, go. Okay. Good choice. Go there it is. Go, folks, go listen to the Pokemon. That's all the time we have left for this week's NBC before we go. I have a few favorites to ask. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a, a like, which looks like this, and leave us a nice comment. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, please leave us a review. Helps us spread the good NBC word, and we will forever be in your debt. I want to thank Colin for coming on the show finally. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank Red on the ones and twos. But most of all, I want to thank you for hanging out with us. And remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Get those eShop games. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.